chapter 2. Job chapter 2. And in a moment we'll be reading from verses 1 to 10 in Job chapter 2. Before we read God's holy word, I just want to briefly speak with the children, if that's possible. Children, do any of you like sweets? I think children generally like sweets. Now, my mom and my dad, we had a shop when we were growing up. Do you know that? And do you know what that attracted a lot of? There was a big sweet section. And there would be a lot of children that came to our shop when we were growing up. And I would always see these children running in, getting their sweets, and they'd be hanging out outside all day. But my mom and my dad, they didn't want me to be outside on the streets all day with a lot of the children. And sometimes I was like wondering, why can't I just hang around the streets all the time? Why can't I just do what those children are doing? And I noticed my mom, my mom especially, but my mom and my dad, wanted to keep me away from people who were probably not the best influence on me. They weren't terrible children, but sometimes they would get in trouble. And sometimes they would do things that they were not supposed to do because their parents were not around. It was only years later that I saw, oh, that's why mommy and daddy kept me away from those children. That's why mommy and daddy kept me at home so that I did not come under bad influences. Can we have good friends, boys and girls? We can. Good friends. And I hope you have good friends. But is it possible to have someone who's not a good friend and leads you in a wrong direction? Is that possible as well? It is, isn't it? Someone who's not a good influence on us and maybe will bring us away from God. Someone who may look exciting and interesting and fun, and everybody wants to be around him or her. But they're bringing you away from God. And that's not a good thing. That's not a good thing. And sometimes, boys and girls, and sometimes for everyone here, the devil and those who follow the devil, they look like they're having all the fun in the world, don't they, sometimes? You look at it, it looks so exciting. They look like they're having so much fun. But really, sin is miserable. It's very, very sad. And the devil is the father of lies. Do you know that, children? The devil is the father of lies. But he also transforms him into a beautiful angel of light. So he's very attractive. He comes to you as a friend. He comes to you as someone who's been a bit misunderstood. And it's easy to think, ah, maybe he's not as bad as we all think. As we read this chapter, as we read these ten verses, we see that Satan is no friend to us. He is no friend to us. As he takes out his wrath his anger and his malice upon Job. And Job suffers under the hand of Satan. And I believe this morning we can learn much as we read this portion of Holy Scripture. 
Job chapter 2, verses 1 to 10, let us hear God's holy and infallible word. Again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan came also among them to present himself before the Lord. And the Lord said to Satan, from where do you come? Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth? A blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil. And still he holds fast to his integrity. And although you entice me against him to destroy him without cause. So Satan answered the Lord and said, skin for skin. Yes, all that a man has, he will give for his life. But stretch out your hand now and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will surely curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, he is in your hand, but spare his life. So Satan, when he went out from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with painful boils from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head, and he took for himself a potsherd, with which to scrape himself while he sat in the midst of the ashes. Then his wife said to him, Do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. But he said to her, You speak as one of the foolish women speaks. Shall we indeed accept good from God? And shall we not accept adversity? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. And may the Lord bless the reading of his holy and infallible word. Job here, who is being attacked by the devil, he is a righteous man. He is a righteous man. We know this from Job chapter 1, verse 1, which says, That man was blameless and upright and one who feared God and shunned evil. From the very beginning, we see that Job was a righteous, godly man. So much so that even God presents before the devil him as an example, as a rebuke toward the devil himself. And this righteous man, Job, suffers much. Job was a wealthy man. We notice from the first few verses of Job chapter 1. He had many cattle. He had thousands of animals. It's quite an astonishing number that he had. But he loses all this. In a series of events. One after another in Job chapter 1. Barely a moment to catch his breath. When the bad news comes after bad news. After bad news, he loses his property, he loses his servants, and most tragically at the very end, he loses his children. Imagine that, seven sons and three daughters. Heartbreaking, barely a pause to reflect on all that had happened. 
in the opening of Job, we learn a lot. We learn about God's control over everything, even the suffering in our lives. The suffering in Job's life, yes, but also the suffering in our own lives. How he is sovereign over suffering. He is in control, not just of the good things, but of the bad things. The things we'd often wish to forget. But it's not us who's in control of it. And it's not the devil who's in control of it either. It is God. And in these opening parts of Job, we get a glimpse of what happens in the spiritual battle which takes place. God grants permission whenever the, Satan is allowed to do anything. Now we have to remember this before we really dive into this verse is God always has good, righteous, and holy reasons for anything he does. But the devil only has malice. The devil does not. The devil is cunning. The devil is deceptive. The devil is far smarter than you. And he's far smarter than I. As we said earlier, he transforms himself into an angel of light. The devil is not obvious. The devil entices and tempts us away. As does the world and the flesh with him. He presents himself as one who wishes to help. One, he's not all that bad. Has he been misunderstood? And the world asks this question. The world is growing almost in its sympathy these days toward the devil. You might find that shocking, but many of the lyrics and many modern songs show a great deal of sympathy toward the devil. Songs I used to listen to long years ago before I was a Christian. Songs that even affected me. So what about you here, dear Christian, here this morning? Is God your friend? Is he your chief joy? And I pray by the end of this sermon that we will see if he is your chief joy. The devil is no friend. He is no friend of anyone who is an image bearer of God. Our first point that we're going to look at here this morning is Satan's devotion. Satan's devotion. Now, that word for us Christians has a certain meaning. We do our devotions. So this might seem like a very strange title. We think of Satan and devotion. But Satan is very dedicated to what he does. He's relentless. It says in the beginning of Job chapter 2. Of Job chapter 2 verse 2. And the Lord said to Satan, from where do you come Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking back and forth on it. There's no sense of resting with the enemy. There's no sense of giving up. It says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. If you had in this building here this morning a lion roaring, what would you do? That's not a big deal. It's, 
He's not that bad. He's pretty tame. You'd probably run out the door. You're probably screaming, run, there's a, there's a lion in the building. This is the picture of this adversary. He's hungry. He's seeking victims. He's seeking his lunch. Now, sometimes when we read of certain things or acts in the Bible, we can be tempted to think, is Peter exaggerating? This is colorful language to exaggerate. He's not really that bad. And he would love for us to think about that. The world would love for us to think that the devil is misunderstood because we see the media exaggerate things. And we may watch something the media says and then watch what they say happened and they say, well, maybe they're exaggerating just a little bit. No, but he is a roaring lion. Going to and fro like a hungry animal looking for prey. Have you ever gone to various cities? Maybe you've gone to Dublin, maybe you've gone to Belfast, and you see the cult known as the Jehovah's Witnesses. And you may be kind of marvel at how de- dedicated they are, if it's hard to even say that, but devoted they are to what they do. They're constantly out, magazines, and everything. Now, let me be clear, they deny Christ. It is a satanic denial of the Lord. They do not believe that Jesus Christ is God. But they are so zealously active to what they believe. They're knocking on doors and everything else like that. They are so incredibly dedicated to something so incredibly evil. Fallen men never need encouragement, do they? To satisfy their lusts. Fallen men never needs encouragement to be told, do what you want to do. Do what you want. That's what everybody wants to hear. To follow sin, to follow their own fallen hearts. Without Christ, dear friends, without being born again of the Spirit of God, without new life in Jesus Christ, we are all devoted to sin. We're all devoted to sin. But there's still none like the devil. Even your nice friends and neighbors. Now, it would depend on degrees. The Lord and his mercy in a community will hold back even unbelievers from being as wicked as they possibly could be. And that is part of what's called God's common grace. But there's still none like the devil, none like this father of lies. It says in Revelation 12, 12, which we read earlier, Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you, having great wrath. Because he knows that he has a short time. He knows his time is short, but he uses that time to inflict anything he can Upon. It's almost like at the end, you know, maybe a boxing match or something. The guy knows he is defeated, but he still wants to keep going. No chance of victory. And to land every blow that he can possibly land. His motivation is so evil because it is against God. He has a short time, he lashes out. 
relentless pursuit of those to destroy. And this is what the devil wants to do. He wants to bring people to hell. Now, this is not to say that the devil rules in hell or anything like that. That's kind of a a myth that's kind of built up over the years. The Lord, in his wrath, pours out wrath in hell. The devil will receive full justice in the future. But the devil wishes to deceive and bring as many down with them as possible. It says in Revelation 20, verse 10, And the devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, and the beast and the false prophet are, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. And this is in the future, the lake of fire. Now as we look at the enemy... And as we consider his devotion to what he is doing in his war against God, we also need to think about our own devotion, don't we? What we profess to be as believers in Jesus Christ. What is our own devotion like? We have the greatest blessing in the world. We have Jesus Christ. We have the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We have the greatest riches in the kingdom of God. But our own victory does not depend on our performance. It doesn't depend on us. Praise God, or else we would have no hope. But do we see the seriousness of the situation? This roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And our dependency upon God. How vulnerable we are. How weak we are. How without hope we are alone. And what does... You know, do you ever see those programs in National Geographic and you see the, 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 the animal attacking smaller animals? They love for them to be isolated, to be weaker, to be alone, because it's easier prey. And the devil wishes to find victims. And we need to be vigilant, as Peter wrote in his first letter. He tempts us to sin, to stay away from God. He wants, dear friends, you to stay away from church. The devil wants you to stay away from other Christians. Oh, did he say that thing about me? I don't know if I want to visit him today. The devil wants to keep you away from other Christians. Because we are weaker alone. He wants to keep you away from prayer. You're thinking, oh, I'm such a hypocrite coming down to my knees after what I have just done Dear friends, if you have sinned, that is more reason to fall on your knees and to confess that sin before Almighty God. The devil will say, you're not good enough to come before God. There's a certain element of truth to that, but we come in the name of Jesus Christ in whom the Lord delights in. The devil also does not want the church to evangelize. Those people, maybe they were not the nicest to you the other day. But maybe the Lord will present an opportunity for you to share the gospel with them. The devil does not like for us to share the gospel. Are we devoted to God? Are we devoted to God? It says in in James 4, 7, Therefore submit to God and resist the devil and he will flee from you. So we've looked at Satan's devotion, which we see in Job chapter 2. But also we're going to look at Satan's domain. Satan's domain, number 2. Now while it's important not to underestimate the enemy, it's also important that we don't overestimate him either. 
He has his limitations, especially when compared to God. He's far more smarter than we are, but he is not smarter or even anyway as close as powerful as God is. Satan is not all-powerful. He is not all-knowing. So we must not leave here this morning in fear of this enemy. Fear God. Fear God. It says in 2 Timothy chapter, two verse, or chapter 1 verse 7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Satan does have a, have a domain or an area of control. But it's only what he's allowed to do by God. No more and no less. It says in verse 6 of our text here. Verse 6 of Job chapter 2. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, he is in your hand. But spare his life. This is the only reason Job is able to, or not Job, Satan is able to do what he did to Job at all. It's a similar thing as recorded in Job chapter 1, verse 12. And the Lord said to Satan, in, in chapter 1, verse 12, and the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not lay a hand on his person. So in that sense, in, in Job chapter 1, he's been restricted. In what he can do. But do not lay a hand on his person. In, in chapter 2. But spare his life. Spare his life. Part of this hedge of protection. Which was surrounding Job. And this hedge of protection. Spoken about in Job chapter 1. Brought him all this blessing. Brought him all these animals. Brought him all these children that he had. A a wonderful life that he had. This was being protected by God. If it wasn't for this restriction. It says in verse 6. But spare his life. The devil would happily kill. But he is limited. He is limited in what he can do. He is at war with God. He is at war with us. He's image bearers of God because we, we remind the devil of God. His motives are evil, but God's are always good. We have to think about that. As, as the Lord allows Satan to do this, we have to think about how God sometimes uses wicked instruments To bring about good purposes. One example in the Bible is Joseph. Joseph is sent into Egypt. Sold into slavery by his own brothers. Undoubtedly wicked and evil. But God meant it for good. It says in Genesis 50 verse 20. This is what Joseph said. But as for you... You meant it evil against me. Speaking to his brothers here. But God meant it for good. In order to bring it about as it is this day. To save many people alive. If you think a little bit later. Joseph was used to save the lives of many people. Especially preserve the seed of God. The seed of Jacob. See the purpose of God. 
All things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. Romans 8, 28. So while the devil, while Joseph's brothers meant it for evil, God meant it for good. We may not see the answer. We may see the answer a little bit later down the track. And we go, that's why that happened. That's why that horrible thing happened in my life. Sometimes we won't see it. This side of eternity. We won't understand everything. But know this, friends. God means it for good. The only domain Satan has is what he has given by God and God's permission. Fear God, no one else. And yes, the devil can wreak havoc. But if anything comes in our lives, whether it be good, blessings, or affliction, difficulties, sickness, ailment, whatever it is, it's from the hand of God. Not all things are from the hand of Satan. Not all bad things come from Satan. We need God's protection, don't we? And if we realized how frail we are, how weak we are, sometimes we think, well, I've got enough money in my bank balance. I've all these contingencies in place. My house is insurance. I'm fine. I'm covered. But we don't realize how vulnerable we are without God's protection. We need to see that. And if we saw that, we would pray daily. For God's heads of protection around us to keep us. The good things in your life, God has maintained them. God has kept them. God has protected them. You have children, praise God for that. God has protected them. God has given you a home, a roof. God has protected that. Perhaps God will take away things as well. But it is all, all things work together for good to them that love God. Our third point is Satan's direction. Satan's direction. So we've looked at Satan's devotion, Satan's domain. Now we're going to look at number three, Satan's direction. What does Satan do with every opportunity that he is given? Verses seven and eight. Immediately, as soon as he's been given the sphere of influence, what does he do immediately? Verse seven and eight. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with painful boils from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. And he, this is speaking of Job, took for himself a potsherd with which to scrape himself while he sat in the midst of the ashes. It's almost like those people you see being released from prison. And as soon as they get an opportunity, they fall back into a life of crime. They may have been restricted from doing those evil things that they've wanted to do all along, but then when they're given an opportunity, they will do it. We should never be surprised by the devil, for the Lord continually warns us. The devil's direction, the the devil's motivation is to be like God. He does not want to submit to God. He wants to be his own God and exalt his throne above the stars of God. As it says in Isaiah uh, chapter 14 verses 12 to 14. It says this. How are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How are you cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations? For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne 
above the stars of God. I will sit in the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. It was pride that made him fall. He was made glorious. He was made sinless. But he, was, he fell through pride. It says in Ezekiel 28 verse 17, Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. And now when we read of this, we should feel uncomfortable. The Bible gives us all that we need. No more, no less. But look at the description here. The, the, these painful boils and, and in order to get some comfort verse 8 he took for himself a pot share just like a piece of pottery and, and had to rub these sores it's unspeakable agony unspeakable agony and could you imagine if we today heard of someone went around and intentionally made this happen to someone. What would we think of that person? Oh, that's evil. That's wicked. How could they do such a thing? Inflicting such evil. And again, we remind ourselves. His motivations, the devil's motivations are evil. But God's ways are higher. They're always good. God uses these means. He's more merciful. He's, he's glorious. He's wise. He's perfectly good. But can't we be at times enticed by the devil? By his supposed beauty. And this is why sin is tempting. Because of our fallen hearts. Sin is tempting. But by the great tempter himself. Who would do this? These painful boils. And the only... Relief you can get is just by rubbing them with this pottery. It is beyond imagining. But sin is tempting. The world, the flesh, and the devil tempts us. And today, the stigma of sin is being removed. This is why crime is rising. Our nation is turning further and further from God. Other societal problems. Alcoholism. Divorces on the rise. Because sin is tempting. But sin must be put to death. There must be a war made with sin. We cannot give in to sin. We will all be tempted, dear friends. Every single last one of us will struggle with various areas of our Christian walk. The difference is, what will you do in the midst of that temptation? That's the question. It's not a question if you'll be tempted. You will be tempted. Your temptation may be very different to another person. But what will you do in the midst of that temptation? Will you run to the Lord? Will you submit to him? Resisting the devil so that he will flee from you. The devil wishes you harm. 
And he will do it any way he can. Now you may be listening to this and say, look, I hate the devil. Look what he's doing. This is absolutely horrible. Uh, and, and look, like his poor wife is driven to this. Now we can be very judgmental about the wife, but we'll get into this in a second. But look at the pain he's in. He's in absolute agony. And she cannot bear to look at him. Now, did she go too far? Absolutely. She did go too far. But have we ever gone so far ourselves? Curse God and die. End it now. You're going, look at the agony you're in. Why will you keep your integrity? What has it gotten you so far? We can come to moments of such frustration ourselves, can't we? The devil keeps prodding and poking and pulling. He wants you to sin. He wants you to sin. Just like that, you know, that playground bully when you're in, when you're in school. Wants to see who reacts the most. The bullies will always gravitate towards the child who will you know, cry or give out or give the greatest reaction. I know from personal experience because I was that child. When you stop reacting to them, they flee and they go somewhere else. The devil loves when we sin. The devil loves when you sin. Absolutely loves it. How do we resist God? We, or how do we resist the devil? We can't resist the devil in pure willpower. I'm going to be better today. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to grin my teeth and it'll be a better than I did yesterday. You won't last five seconds that way. Submit to God. Spend time alone with God. Shut the door behind you. Get the phone out of the room. Get the computer. Anything that will distract you from God. And I say spend time with God. I'm not even saying, okay, we can read through three chapters a day and do it really quickly and not really think about it. I say, say spend serious time alone with God. Shun much of what is called Christianity today. Test everything by this. Much of what is called Christianity today, either on the television, magazines, is not. We must test everything by the scriptures. Friends, we're losing a generation to this deceiver. We're losing a generation to this deceiver. It's heartbreaking. How many are raised in the church, in this generation, not just in Northern Ireland, but in Scotland, In America, much of the Western world, children thinking they're okay, and then they're 18 or 19, and they leave the church. They were never born again. We must be sober. We must be vigilant. We must not think it is loving to tell people, do what you want to do. That's the message of the devil. That's the message of the devil. Number four in our final point is Satan's defeat. Satan's defeat. So we've looked at Satan's devotion, Satan's domain, Satan's direction. Now finally, number four, we're going to look at Satan's defeat. How can we face this enemy? How can we have victory over this foe? 
Yes, it is a struggle. Yes, it is a war. And war is never pleasant. But you can, have, you can overcome the world, the flesh, and the devil. It says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 4, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. Our faith. Not just overcoming the world, but also the devil. And our flesh. It says in Romans 16.20. This is Paul writing under the inspiration of the Spirit of God. And the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. Listen to that. The God of peace will crush Satan under whose feet? Your feet. Shortly. It's pointing right back to Genesis 3 verse 15. Genesis 3 15. Having that, that gospel promise. Which says. And I will put enmity between you and the woman. And between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head. And you shall bruise his heel. The God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. How? By faith. By faith. We become overcomers. And believe it or not, dear friends, in this, Job overcomes the devil by faith. Now, he does face more trials from his so-called friends later on in this book. And if you've read through the book of Job, you can see this. But he overcomes the devil. It says in Job chapter 2 verse 3. This is what the Lord said to Satan. Rebuking Satan. Have you considered my servant Job. That there is none like him on the earth. A blameless and an upright man. One who fears God and shuns evil. This is a man of faith. Is another way of saying this. Much like the first encounter. Chapter, uh, uh, verse 8 of chapter 1. Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth? A blameless and upright man. One who fears God and shuns evil. Now Job is not sinless. He is not perfect. But he is a wonderful, godly example of strong faith. In the book of Ezekiel, there are three names of good examples, you could say, of people to remember from the Old Testament era. And one of the names given is Job. The other two are Noah and Daniel. While he is not sinless, but he is a man of faith, strong faith. What did he do when he lost everything? He worshipped. Says in Job 1.20, then Job arose, tore his robe and shaved his head, and he fell to the ground and worshipped. He lost everything. He lost his property. He lost his family. His children. His property. And he did not sin or charge God with wrong. That's faith. In 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 verse 10. It says, and how he rebuked his wife, and he said to her, You speak as one of the foolish women speaks. Shall we indeed accept good from God, and shall we not accept adversity? Now, there's a sense in which we can sympathize with her. There's great suffering that her husband has gone through. But she still needed correction. 
Do you notice something, dear friends, of how God rebukes Satan? Look at Job. Here is a man of faith. One who shuns evil. He shows the faith of the saints. The devil is the accuser. He thinks the worst possible. He thinks this in verses 4 and 5. In verse 4 it says, So Satan answered the Lord and said, Skin for skin, yes. All that a man has he will give for his life, but stretch out your hand now and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will surely curse you to your face. Ha <laughs> ha, he's got great health. Look, if you take that away from him, he's going to curse you to his face, to your face. And you know what's going to happen? It's going to show that he didn't have any real faith to begin with. And in rebuking the devil, okay, he's in your hand. Spare his life. This is a way of showing the devil that time and time again, you are wrong. The devil is like, well, if you take these things away from him, he will abandon you. He will abandon you. Remind ourselves of Revelation 12, verses 10 and 11. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation, strength, the kingdom of our God, and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren, who accused them before our God, day and night, has been cast down. Notice how he's called the accuser of our brethren. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. How do we defeat the enemy in 2022? With all what may seem insurmountable odds around us. By faith. By faith in Jesus Christ. How can we face the mocking and the jeering of the world? By faith in Jesus Christ. Do we, do we face it with fire, f- fire with fire? Do we, do we re- retaliate in exactly the same way that the world fires out? At us, and that is extremely tempting for us to do. My friends, no. We respond by faith, continuing to trust in God, worshiping Him. And those who will come to speak something that is not true, correcting Him in love. In all this, Job did not sin with his lips, he responded. By faith. Now there is victory here. But it is not easy is it? The book of Job is a hard book to read. You think of all the stuff that he suffered through. It is not easy. It's not easy. It's easy just to say. Just have faith. Isn't it? But this is a war. And in war there is casualty. In war there is difficulty. In war there is pain and suffering. A war against a cunning enemy. But so often in the church we can fight with the wrong people, can't we? So often we are not resisting the devil. We can be fighting within the church. In Christ we are family, dear friends. In Christ we are brothers and sisters. In Christ we, by faith, crush the head of the serpent in Christ, we are victors. 
In Christ, the sting of death has been removed from us all. All of us. No matter how small your faith is, no matter how great your faith is, it has been removed for us all. And are you in Christ? Here this morning. You cannot face the devil in your own strength. Do you know him? Come and run to Christ. Look to him by faith and by faith alone because the devil, the devil does not want you to come. Run to Christ. Amen.